You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we talk to Tony DeSarclis about making running a lifestyle choice. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I have a good friend of mine, someone I've known for almost 20 years through number of children. Uh, in fact, I think we've got a couple that are a similar age. <laughs> Tony DeSarclis, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michelle. It's really good to have you here. Um, you know, it was hard for us just to stop talking before I hit record. I'm like, Tony, we're gonna <laughs> we've got to stop. We're gonna hit record. Otherwise, all this good stuff's gonna be on the other side. Um, I don't. I was really thinking about it. I was talking to Simon the other day, and I don't know a huge amount of your background beyond you know in the running club and and having known you that way and knowing the kids and you know we've been to a couple of marathon dinners and stuff together. But tell us, tell me a little bit about where did Tony DeSarclis grow up? Tell me about that. Yeah, I was, I was born in Tassie um, and then uh, with my mother, we moved over to uh, Western Australia um, early on in my life. So um, oh, wow. as some of my close friends know and my workmates that I keep reminding them, I'm a West Coast Eagles supporter. So that's that link to the West Australian background as people moan and that, as I keep saying, you know, through those premiership years. But now I don't mention that at all. But, You're a bit quieter. Uh, <laughs> a bit quieter, but... Um, um, I've always loved running um, from a young age um, through primary school in West Australia, doing most of my schooling over there. Um, was always in sort of the, you know, relays and sprint sprinting events. And then mm. over the years, I thought I was a sprinter. But then as I got older and, you know, the boys were always bigger than me, then I sort of naturally sort of, because I was so skinny, I leaned, in, leaned, leaned into the middle distance sort of longer runs. And yeah. I, I was regularly in... Um, school representative teams um, and at a young age played a bit of football. So that was in, you know, West Australia. Um, later in life, um, when I did join the Navy in 1989, that was a big step, big, big um, adventure for me at that age. Um, the running was actually at the forefront of that as well, being a love throughout that period. I was in, you know, I used to run on the base and um, encourage other people to go for runs with me on the weekend, you know, playing football as well. And actually, here's a story for you, Michelle. Um, I'm not an elite runner, not by any standard, but we had a, a Navy running team in my region yeah. and it was organised for one of the officers on the base. We went down to Canberra for a week uh -huh. and we actually trained with Andrew Lloyd and we actually did a running race with the AIS athletes. That's and amazing. That, yeah, that was amazing. And um, they actually held seminars um, I wasn't in that elite category. I was really just on the coattails of some really good runners on the Navy base, some really yeah. good runners. Um, but um, really, it was amazing because at that time, I think Andrew Lloyd was basically at, at his peaks, just trying yeah. to remember, you know, I think he had some Commonwealth gold, you know, great, great achievements, mm -hmm. um, Commonwealth game gold, I think. Um, but, um, you know, and Monaghetti and all those sort of guys. But I just remember that that going to the AIS driving down there and when you're young you don't really appreciate that at the time but looking no. back 
oh my god, that was gold. You know, looking back, as you know, we look back at running and leaning on people for knowledge and everything. Yeah. That was that was a highlight. So the navy for five years, um, that was a big part of my background leading up. To How old were you then when you when you went into that straight out of high school kind of thing? Uh, when I was 19, I had a bit of a gap after high school, yeah. did a few jobs and didn't really know what I was doing. And then um, the reason actually was, was my stepbrother was joined the Navy about a year before me and he had a lot of money in his back pocket and a uh-huh. nice car. And I thought, <laughs> hang on, this sounds really good. And he was meeting a lot of girls. So I thought that was the, 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 that was the th- thing that really completed the deal for me. So um <laughs> Look, in that five years, running was at the forefront, but also getting into a lot of trouble, as you are when you're a young young, yeah. young boy in your 20s. Um, but it was great. It was a great um, great learning thing. And um, some elite runners on the base took me under their wings again, mainly through cross-country. Cross-country was probably a big thing oh, yeah. back in the, those days in um, New South Wales on the base. And later when I joined the ship for a couple of years, we used to um, – Here's another war story for you. Mm-hmm. Um, to, um, on the ship, we used to run around the outside edge of the ship. Um, so we wow. were at sea for a few weeks, along with going into port and having fun and, you know, looking at the various cities and countries in Southeast Asia um, and New Zealand. Um, to keep fit, you know, with the PT guys, we used to just run around the outside edge of the um, ship. And so, um, you know, that fitness, mind and body. Yeah talking about um we certainly did play hard but we certainly did keep ourselves because that was really as you know now they really do encourage that now and the forces now so you know coming from west australia you know only lucky to be over 60 kilos as an 18 19 year old within a year your first christmas going back to hand some duty-free cigarettes to your mum who's waiting on the on the, on the harbour um <laughs> You know, all of a sudden you're like about 10 kilos heavier. You're looking a lot because you're getting those three square meals a day. And yeah. um, so as I say to my kids, look, if you don't know what you're going to do in life, if you want a bit of a gap year, um, if you don't have anywhere to work or, you know, I, I thoroughly recommend the force. It's just going to have a bit of fun like I did for a few years. Yeah. Meet some new people, go visit some new places and have some fun. Don't have too much fun because you'll get in trouble like I did a couple of times, but that's another podcast for another I day. I can't imagine Tony getting into trouble. <laughs> uh, uh, um, but, yeah, that, that that running theme was, yeah, throughout that whole period. I played for a football team in Nara. Um, we were like um, they hadn't literally won a game for about five years mm-hmm. before I joined and um, me, and, me and probably four or five other Navy sailor guys at the base, we hatched a plan to, you know, go play at this club and running was a big part of that, keeping fit over the winter mm-hmm. like we do at LRC now down in Tassie. But it was it was really that that fitness thing to, yeah, play hard and have fun while you're young but also to keep fit and healthy. And So, um, so can you clearly remember that being a motivator, like, the, to, like you're running because you want to be fit and healthy or were there other things that were going on there that when it comes to the running? That I think can... at a young age probably had some people that I looked up to. I had an older brother that was, he joined finance and accounting at a young age, whereas I wasn't really ready for that. I wanted to have a bit of fun and uh, follow my stepbrother into the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it the running and fitness, I know social media is a big thing now for young people and how mm. questionable they are with those things. For me, it was 
the typecast Navy stuff about, you know, Tom Cruise and all this sort of stuff, you know, the prominent celebrities at the Top time. <laughs> people, re- honestly, people wanted to wear those Ray-Bans, Ray um, Ray-Bans, Ray-Bans. Uh, play, play beach volleyball with their tops off. And honestly, that's what we did. We actually, wow. we actually, you know, we do our cross-country runs. We'd hit the gyms pretty hard. Uh, we, um, our base at HMAS Creswell was, if you know the area, um, it's sort of south of Nowra. Right? They've got an mm-hmm. officer training facility there. And around that Huskisson and areas, they've got white beaches. They're actually mentioned on some of the TV tourist shows. So, wow. so imagine as a young 20 year old, you know, on base when you're off duty, just fishing, boating, you know, running along. Those beach. I used to do a lot of barefoot running along the beach there to keep fit as well and then go for a swim and, again, didn't realise until you get older at, at our age now how good that was. Yeah. I mean, that was so amazing thinking back that now, how, you know, it was a warm, warmer weather obviously than Tassie but not too much warmer um, and it was really that beach culture which, you know, New South Wales has and that Navy, yeah. that Navy maritime um, um culture as well being outdoors i suppose too that's much healthier than a lot of look i was i was was, honestly i was not to put too fine a word i was super fit because um yeah i was eating a lot but we were burning those carbs off because we were quite active we were if we weren't playing footy in the winter you know we were doing something in the summer whether that was cricket or volleyball or um actually indoor volleyball and some of the defense sporting games was actually quite serious business so that was trust me it was sheep stations on everything whether it was darts pool on the bar or um (laughs) volleyball or um all of that so um yeah so some of that stuff just even some of the stuff I talk to my kids now and helping them with their health and um you know encouraging them a lot a lot of that was through things I actually learned through the navy and eating, eating properly probably the running and that stuff wasn't that was easy it was actually probably learning about what foods to eat and Mm -hmm. um you know having those three square meals while you're in the defense forces really learned a lot of things out of that that wholesome food and keeping healthy um i still don't have any health issues even now later in life apart from probably um things just as a result of you know working in an office you know Mm -hmm. just being a bit stiff and sore and that sort of a thing and wearing glasses like my um but um, yeah, that that's. But generally, I've got no really major ailments. It's really just building up that health and fitness and those good habits. So yeah, um, yeah if I, I I get a bit stir crazy, um, if I you know if I can't go to the go for a run, you know, four or five times a week, and wow. um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast with the with the older daughters with their boyfriends, they talk to me. Um, amazed at the run the running I'm doing and I say mate you're young make the most um, <laughs> got everything you got just got to make the most of that time it's just yeah just use that time wisely that's amazing all right so so you were in the navy and I didn't actually know that so that's interesting for me um and there's probably heaps of other people who know you who didn't know that too who will listen to this um when you finished being in the navy which did you say it was about five years that you yeah about five years from 89 to 94 I only signed up for four years at the time Mm -hmm. um I extended it for another year because I sort of crunched the numbers and I was at sea at the time and I talked to my um my reporting officer and he said well you can stay at sea if you want to extend for another Mm -hmm. 
because I was I'd only been at sea if it makes sense for a year and generally mm-hmm. you do roughly a couple of years or two and a half years yeah. before you have to go back to base. Mm-hmm. Um, my job at that time was a writer, which is you know what's a writer. Basically, we were we did payroll, accounts, and personnel. Um, so, but on the ship when you go to sea and you do exercises. It's pens down and everything like that, all the different departments. You you go into like exercise mode. So my yeah. job, um, because I was a rider, um, was um damage control exercises. I'd I'd sit next to the office I'd stand next to the officer when we had damage control exercises and we had a big board of the ship and I'd write in the coloured pens, you know, all the writing and relay messages and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting. Um and during other periods, um, our department, we'd always help out in the gun bay with the gunnery officers and the gunnery sailors. We would load shells, help wow. load shells, the big guns. That was our job. So so during those exercises, you get into the the culture of the gunnery guys. So the riders and the gunnery guys, we were always best mates outside because we sort of worked in tune with each other. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Um, when you fire the guns, cordite comes out the back of the shells and the smell of the cordite goes through all the gunnery areas. So let's just say it doesn't matter how many showers you have when you come into port, you're smelling of cordite from those big shells and it, it stays in your skin and everything like that. But, yeah, look, oh, it was um, um, you do, like I said, the Navy is probably the best thing um, for me for those five years. It really sort of settled me down a bit um, and, and just... Um, you know, t- taught me taught me a lot of things. Um, going to sea, I'd always had that love of the ocean, which mm-hmm. was really from Western Australia, which I didn't say before. But um, my stepfather and my mum, they actually lived quite close to the ocean at mm-hmm. a place called Dawesville, which is just south of Mandarin, Western Australia. Mm-hmm. So Mandarin now, if you know it, it's basically like the Gold Coast of um, Western Australia. It's, it's just so developed. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. It was really just a... <laughs> Summer, summertime town where all the yeah. city kids would come down and all the city fishermen would come down and fish all our crabs out of the estuary and then they go back up to the city at the end of the summer. So it was, it was not, it's not like that now. It's really like a, it, it's like a mini Gold Coast for West Australia. Mm. And we're actually going back over there at this Christmas coming up. So oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. So, so you left the Navy. What did you do? Um, well, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I Just before I left the Navy, I had a, a young officer who took me under her wing and she wanted, actually wanted me to be an officer. Yeah. And I signed all the paperwork and I, I was going to go to RMIT and be a weapons electrical engineering officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, at the last minute I backed out because I talked to my brother it was a bit of a mentor, always a mentor at a young age. He was three years older than me um, and talked to friends. And I just didn't want to sign up for another nine years. And I'd mm. always knew probably accounting or business or something similar to mm. administration. I, I might do that. So so I I drew the line at the five-year mark, which was in August 1994. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you're about to ask me when did I meet my lovely wife. So let's just say in August 1994, I met my lovely wife. In now, she's if she listens to this, she's going to give me a whack on the bum if I get this wrong. But I met <laughs> less than a year later, 
1995. But basically, in that year's time, between August 94, when I got out and when I met a vet, um, I had a few different jobs, just tried a few different things. Um, mm -hmm. I met her while working at Temco. Um, mm -hmm. I reconnected with my father. That was the main reason for coming back down to Tassie. I was going to say, you came back to Tassie. Yeah, but come back down to Tassie, mm -hmm. reconnected with my father, lived with him for a bit. Yep. Um, and then one of my Greek friends who was a big party goer mm -hmm. said to me, Tony, there's a thousand women that go out every Wednesday night in Launceston. <laughs> and I still have that navy blood left in me and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to check this out, ladies' night. Um, and if that's not a, a flag for a bull or whatever, but um, – <laughs> So I waste, let's just say I wasted a lot of my um, Navy retirement money. But by, by the time I met a vet, basically didn't have much money. I had a regular job over that year, um, but I've eventually just settled down. And um, I met a, a vet um, in Launceston um, and then um, I moved out on my own for a while. And then gradually we sort of moved in together over time and okay. the rest of history. But um, um but yeah, that, that that was it. And then, as you know, um, that was 1995. We didn't have our first child oh. until 2000. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really just to, you know, she was doing her studies and I was focusing on accounting and being a CPA and yeah, going through those various things. So That's Yvette that. was um, Yvette was uh, doing studies as as well as you. So you and then you were studying to be an accountant from Tempsco because yeah. we've kind of skipped to. Um, you were in the Navy, you went to, came and stayed in, in Tassie uh, and worked at Temco. And then obviously you decided to follow one of those, you know, business slash accounting um, careers that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, probably over that time I got out of the Navy and um, just thinking back now, probably I teed between a, a few different jobs and then I settled on Temco by, I can't remember what the date, it was in late 1994. Mm -hmm. uh, 1994 was a big year for me, by the way, because the West Coast Eagles won their premiership. <laughs> this story for you, Michelle, we've gone past this. Jesus, how much time you got? Um, <laughs> I, I, I was at sea when they won the premiership before I was due to leave the ship. Um, and I didn't actually see the live vision. Um, until I got out of the Navy and later just watched a replay and bought the videotape on VHF. Oh. Literally at sea during the grand final, there was me and one other guy that went for West Coast Eagles. We were sitting in the mess hall together on the ship and the rest of the 250 to 300 guys on the ship, they were all going for Geelong, trust me, because they were barbinous during the week. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, yeah, so 1994 was a big year. I left the Navy in August. Um, didn't really want to know what I wanted to do. Wanted to, you know, go back down to Tassie, you know, reconnect with my father. Um, and actually with the Greek community, you know, reconnected with some of my father's Greek friends. Um, spent a bit of time with them. Um, developed an unhealthy tradition of um, eating souvlaki on a Saturday night going out on the town and wasting a lot of money at the casino <laughs> with my father and his Greek <laughs> friends. But um, um, that's a story for another day. So that's <laughs> something that wasn't for a fit health and mind. Um, that was something that was going to be able to be maintained. So <laughs> so, so you, um, you, you do your CPA stuff and you go off and, and do accounting. 
while you and Yvette are growing a family? Basically, yeah, basically um, 94. So fast forward three, four years working at Temco, um, Yvette doing some studies and finishing her teaching studies and doing practice and things. Fast forward to 1999 when I said to Yvette, we weren't married, didn't have any kids, let's take an adventure and move down to Hobart. So we moved down to 1999 and, um, and just before that, about six months prior to that, my auntie passed away um, uh, and left some money for me because, you know, in Tassie, a lot of her relations had sort of not contacted and I was helping her and mm-hmm. she left a little bit of money because she knew I wanted to buy a house and you know I was quite serious with the vet at the time and she helped me get that first deposit on a house wow. this was just before the property boom um as yourself and Simon and know um yeah. where the, we had the twin boats and John Howard and GST all happened and all of a sudden now our quarry road Launceston house was now not worth 80,000 it was now worth 240,000 so then we moved out to Perth um in Tasmania but before we did that um 1999, we moved down to Hobart. I wanted to finish off my accounting degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked, worked at a couple of places for a couple of years. Um, worked at Tote Tasmania, worked at Garrison's. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically um, a lot of young accountants working to 10 o'clock at night and all that sort of stuff. And actually, I did have some back problems during those years because that's probably the one or two years where I was really committed to being a successful accountant and, you know, working in finance and probably my health did suffer. That was probably the one, one or two years where I had some back issues with narrowing, narrowing disc space Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, saw a chiropractor. And then that's actually how I did actually restart running. Um, That's what I was going to ask, actually, whether you were, once you left the Navy, whether, you know, running followed you through those different periods. Yeah, and through that difficult period with, with my back, the chiropractor said, just relax, Tony, just relax. Trust me, we'll we'll get there because I wanted to get out and run straight away. And he said, because I after the first session with him, with my narrowing discs, he said that you're going to feel great as soon as you walk out and within a day, but trust me, within a couple of days before you see me again, mm-hmm. it'll narrow again and you'll feel some of that nervous sort of nerve pain where you're sort of walking along. But gradually over sort of five or six sessions, the very first thing I tried, Michelle, was just a bit tentatively. I started to do some beach runs. Again, the little the old Navy reference mm-hmm. with the, the shoes off, some beach yeah. runs with a vet. Poor as poor. Couldn't even afford a toasted sandwiches at lunchtime <laughs> back in those days. We'd go down to Bell Reeve and on the eastern shore of Hobart and um, just enjoy the Bell Reeve Beach. Yeah. And I'd do some beach runs. And gradually over time, I found that just maintaining the running stopped going to the chiropractor and I actually found working in the office combined with running actually mm-hmm. kept that stuff at bay and over time it's never come back mm. um, and I did stuff like and even a vet in those days she was she was walking over the bridge from the eastern shore into Telstra in Hobart where she worked yeah and then I started one of my favorite beach runs was so one of my favorite runs was to run actually over the bridge from the eastern shore over the other side and then come back because when we lived on the eastern shore, I'd always look out my window and I'd see the bridge there and I thought, oh, that'd be amazing to get back into running and start running over that. And that was just like a mental thing for me. Yeah. Um, 
and that was fantastic. And then Kangaroo Point, that become a bit of a habit as well, running around there and um, putting the music on. The rest is history, just sort of up and gradually um, up the running from there and just maintain that. But um, probably not until um, LRC days, but I'll, I'll throw it back mm -hmm. to you because um, <laughs> I'll, I'll share you some stuff around the LRC days where um, that, you know, where I really did ramp up the running there yeah. and that was and the kids were a bit older. So it sounds like, a, you know, like a health reason because, as you said, um, you know, sitting around in an office isn't conducive to good health unless you're doing some sort of other movement outside of your sitting at a desk, which is what you found. And that was, you know, one of the reasons you, you started up running again. Uh, and you, so you've, you're in Hobart and then you've come back up to Launceston by the sound of it. Yeah, um, we... Uh... The reason we moved back up to Launceston was um, we had our first child, Isabella. Yeah. Uh, um, so we um, um, we had her when we were in Hobart, living on the Eastern Shore. Poor as poor, um, and then we and then a couple of complications. And I thought, well, stuff this. Let's move back up to Launceston. Your mum's back up there. My dad's up there. Yeah. I really want you to be safe and healthy. So that was about Isabella and. Event and also just the family moving back up there, yeah, connect the extended family. Um, and that was in, um, uh, I think that was 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, moved back up there, and um, and to say Tasmania is a small place, here's another story for you. My, my first boss when I moved back up to Launceston, his son is now dating the boss that I had 2001 his son is now dating one of the girls no uh, 20 years later we were, we were having dinner with them the other night just thinking back oh my god because um as part of the job back in those days back into accounting um we did we helped help pitch him with promotional tv ads for the hotels and actually from those ads from 20 years ago Yvette was in those ads with um <laughs> um, Isabella, I think, in the pram at the time, from twenty years ago. But um, yeah, but that was it. Yeah, ninety nine, um, two thousand. Moved back up to Launceston, two thousand and one, um, and then um, the ATO happened in two thousand and two. So the mm -hmm. job came up. I previously looked at it back in two thousand, and my boss at um, the accounting area down in Hobart, he, he gave me a pay, pay rise because he didn't want me to go, me and this other young mm -hmm. young guy, um, because we were basically running the accounting down in Hobart and mm. they didn't expect someone else because pretty pretty reliable. Um, but um, after we moved back up to Launceston, the ATO job came up in 2002 um, and that was really conducive to running Michelle because I met one of my... Um, best friends over the last 20 years you'd be embarrassed to hear this but um i won't mention his name but um let's just say he's got no hair and um um but um he worked at the ato with me joined with me along yeah. with uh, another one of my best friends over my career at the ato um and he, me and him had a connection around running because yeah. he loved his gym he was loved his gym with his you know big muscles and everything like that not like my gym as well but I love my running more. Yeah. Uh, he played hockey. He used to play the hockey over every winter. He was very successful with that. And, my, and 
I developed that running with the running club over the years, but we developed a habit of running. Uh, once we struck up a conversation about it, I said, oh, do you want to run at lunchtime on Tuesdays? And I said, oh, there's a shower here at the building. I said, you sure? I said, yeah, if we go for a 30-minute run, if we have a shower, when we get back, I reckon we can get back to our desk within the hour. And I said, okay, let's do that. And then gradually over the years, it would sometimes become a Tuesday and Thursday run. And yeah. that was really the platform for a lot of good at Launceston Running Club running because I had mm-hmm. that midweek lunchtime running. Um, and even at Senlink now where I work, um, I make it a tradition to run Tuesday lunchtimes. I, I think it's me and another lady. Another lady's pretty much the only other person in the building that does it. Well, but, it just, but, but it just helps that health, Michelle, just again. I know. Help, it, help, I think that's amazing. Yeah, and just and the, the bosses are really um, flexible with Right, but that all started with the ATO and a lot of my, a lot of that running at the um, at the ATO days, um, and even flexibility with the bosses. You'd say, mm-hmm. "Oh well, I've got a marathon coming up. Yeah, okay, if I go for a ninety minute run at lunch, and I'll work back or you know start early the next week." And they're really um, supportive of that, and you know developed a real strong. And we, you know, we used to start initiatives um, like you know this back in the pedometer days when yeah our funds were really pushing the pedometers back in the early 2000s so we we'd um you know we'd really help promote those at the at the workplaces um with our lunchtime running um and promote that and um encourage some of the other guys in the office just because tasmania is so small um you know i used to work in centrelink when i was in my 20s before i finished my teaching degree for quite a long time um, through my 20s, about eight years or so, on and off. And I used to run four days a week at work and lunch yeah. lunch times. And at one stage we had four or five of us who would go out, including um, someone who still works at Centrelink, I believe, um, who would come and, um, and run with me. Um, it became quite a little little hub back way, way, way back then. So we're talking about in the, you know, mid 1990s to late 1990s so so there had been a bit of a running thing going on but um yeah it it was a great way I think um as you said if you're going to be sitting down all day um to get your run in in that the middle of the day like that and in a supportive environment with other people from your office I think um yeah, I love that. I think that was great for me too to build up my foundation for running when I was in my twenties. I loved it. So yeah, you find that um, you know, sometimes if I was training for a marathon, I'd you know do that Tuesday run, and sometimes I'd actually run into work on a Thursday, knowing that that shower was there. Yeah, at the ATA days, um, run in, um, and you know sometimes you do like seventeen, eighteen k's. But as you know, Michelle, if you're doing the marathon training, that would be a, a given sort of midweek run, just to, you know, before you even do your Sunday long run yeah. to get those, those marathon results, you needed yeah. to do those midweek sort of runs. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and they were really supportive of that, which was which was fantastic. I actually found I was more productive as a worker because mm. even with the lunchtime runs, you'd, you'd come back to the office, come back to your desk with a bit of spring in your step. You know, you talk to the other guy about Hey, if you after me and say, yeah, thanks for the run, mate. That was really good. And we'd sort out the world's problems and he'd do a lot of the talking and I'd do a lot of the listening. And um, 
but it was great. I didn't mind it. And he was a much better runner than me. He was a lot quicker than me. Yeah. So he was like a sub four minute runner at that time. It wouldn't be now, but um, and at that time when it was early days, Launceston Running Club, I needed someone like him to really push me, and he'd say, "Okay, let's let's go hard." And so he was really, it was really quite fun, and um, really helped helped me a lot. So he he was fantastic. So. Um, that was really good throughout that period. Um, so with you, like you started running again, in, um, you know, after the Navy and then, and then in this office time and you haven't really stopped as far as I know since then, apart from, you know, the odd injury or whatever, perhaps, I'm not sure. Um, so what keeps you going? Like, do you, do you think you have goals? Are you really goal driven? Like, is it because you want to run a marathon at a particular pace or there's a particular race you want to train for? Or if you didn't have those things, would you still do you think head out the door and um, regularly to stay fit? Yeah, I think uh, for me, running is a lifestyle thing. Like some mm-hmm. people ask me in the office, are you training for something? I say, yeah, I'm going to have a go at the marathon in Melbourne in October, but, you know, COVID might might hit me um, yeah. or and that mightn't happen, but I'll still be running four or five days a week mm-hmm. um, because I just find I feel better. Michelle, I find that, um, you know, my sleep's better, my general health's better. Um, it's the main thing I do. I don't really play any other sport. I'm not really a – I sort of, you know, jokingly say to my wife and her friends over the years, I don't smoke, gamble or drink really. I do actually – funnily though, Michelle, I am drinking a bit extra as I'm getting older. What? Uh, so, yes, I'm actually um, drinking a bit too much, but <laughs> – and I'm doing things that I probably this is, and I'm I'm probably a bit more relaxed about my running as I'm getting older. Okay. I'm probably because of that lifestyle thing, not a goal-driven thing like it was mm. when you knew me when you were president. Where and with that guy at the ATO, I was saying to him, "Look, I need to I need to get quicker. I need to, you know, get really good over." The, and he was smashing me on our lunchtime <laughs> runs, literally sweat. But now. I'm doing a marathon. I want to do the Melbourne Marathon on October, and if it's you know planning for that, um, we're going to go over and probably take one or two of the kids with this. I'm not sure, but I'll sometimes have two or three beers or half a dozen beers on a Saturday night with friends, and I'll still do a thirty to thirty-five k run on a Sunday morning. Now, wow! Back when you knew me and you were president of the running club, I would never do that. That was like a. But I've just learned by being relaxed. I've probably changed. It is a lifestyle thing. That's the main reason. I'm going off tangent again. But um, it is a lifestyle thing for me. I do I do actually love running a lot. I do. Mm. I'm, I'm probably a bit more fanatical about it than I want to admit. I do look at my Garmin during my run way too many times. I do look at my Strava more than, more than probably anything else. Um, and... As I'm getting older, I probably use things that have got data in them about my running. I spend more time looking at it than what I did in my 30s and 40s. And you probably be near me where I'd just probably hit stop on the end of the run, be pleased with myself and just move on. Well, now I'll hit stop on a run and I'll dwell on that and say, and then I'll look at it during the week at work on Strava. Strava's been a great thing for me over the last probably five or 10 years. I was a bit late to the party. Yeah. Um, um, actually some people that I haven't mentioned as a bit of a lifestyle thing it has been a bit of a community thing a bit of a connection 
a common connection with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Just before you wrap up, I'll probably mention there was a period probably two or three years ago where I made a really strong connection with, um, and they'll laugh at this if not cry, but um, after running for many years, um, I did connect with a few Perth local runners who are two of them are no longer Perth residents. Mm -hmm. And they were asking me questions and calling me coach about running. Yeah. And I thought, these guys are having a lot of fun and giggling while they're running along the highway, getting up in the early hours, and I was running with them. Um, and it just reminded me at that time that, you know, running doesn't have to be too serious. Yeah, you want to get your PBs, but you can have a lot of fun and, yeah. you know, still, you know, connect with other people. So that was that was Joe, Justin and Job, the three Js yeah. as I call them. So there was probably... We'd, we'd sort out a few world problems during our, our runs. Um, Job was the, you know, jovial guy that would, you know, push the limits and, you know, really be the, you know, encourage everyone to meet him at the gorge, you know, at some ridiculously early hour at some place that I wouldn't normally go, but I just, because he was such a, um, a bubbly personality and so was yeah. Joe. Joe, yeah. um, as you know, um bubbly personality as well and Justin as well I, mm-hmm. I would just literally it was just me holding the popcorn listening to those guys <laughs> throw barbs at each other about the football with, you know with Joe and Joe being Collingwood supporters Justin Carlton um, and myself being West Coast and over the years you know we'd ride the success of the various teams yeah uh, and we've you know we've been camping and gone off on runs together as well so that was a that was a, a nice surprise by all, all those guys in Perth are still connected with those guys and love those guys. And Joe, he's in Melbourne now. He messages me every now and then and asks me, which I've never taken him up on. He asked me to do like live streams while I'm actually running on a midweek run, which I've never, t- but I should do. Um, but he's just, you know, example of, you know, just that, that bubbly personality and just makes running fun and, through a lot of those years, um, you know, going back to when I first joined at LRC, you know, Daniel Sexton was that um, experienced LRC runner. He was actually the person that got me into running all that time, got me returning to running yeah. after when the kids were young and I had those back issues and really did help. Um, um, and, you know, to turn the clock back to that time, to tell a funny story, Yvette actually told Daniel that um, – we didn't really know about handicapping, but he said, oh, yeah, Tony can do 5Ks in 15 minutes. And this was the iconic Riverside run, which they've taken off the calendar. It was actually one of my favourite runs because we could jump in the pool after the run. And and about three laps into the four laps, I turned to a vet on that very first race. I just said, you know that time you told Daniel, I don't think we'll get that 15 minutes because I've got a lap to go and I say 15 minutes now. So... <laughs> Um, but again, yeah. it's just, you know, connecting to the people. I think that's the common theme, you know, with the health, healthy mind and body. I think connecting with those people is probably a big takeout for me with that running being a common thing, just those new friends that you meet. Um, even on Saturday, just talking to a few people about, you know, how they were going with their runs, who's injured, who's not, what they're training for, you know, me sharing, them asking me how I'm going, am I training yeah. for anything, all that sort of stuff. I think it. It's that mind stuff that you, you know, you're not sort of stuck on your own, but you are sharing that conversation um, with those other people. It just, it's, it's that nice. Um, as I shared on that running race on Saturday, it's a night. You've got that nice feeling of goodwill when you are, you know, opening 
that conversation with those those other runners because you um, even even on the weekend when Yvette and I were in in Sydney away from the kids. Of course, I made the mistake of mentioning that I was a runner at a running shop and I was buying some things. This lady literally talked to me, wanted to talk to me for about half an hour, an hour about her marathons and things, and I was sharing stuff. So it's just, running is just that common connection. I think it is. Have a story. It is healthy. It is healthy in terms of your body, but it really is that that nice social activity. Um, you can make it a social. I'm not over the top social with my running. As you know, I'm a bit quieter, but um, but I think you know, connecting with those Perth guys over over those years now, and two of those are me down here. That that, that was a, a really nice period, and our kids were similar ages, so we'd connect over through little athletics. Um, they didn't really know much about um, Launceston Running Club, and so just helping them with their running, and you know, and then they they've gone gangbusters from there, and you know achieved you know some really great achievements um throughout that period so it's been fantastic yeah it's been awesome fact, a lot of people talk about how awesome um the connections are with the people that they meet through running as you just said even in the store <laughs> so it was kind of cool that little story um have there been times in your life where you, apart from physically where you've had an uh, emotionally tough time over whatever's going on in your life and you found that running has helped? Have you turned to running for that reason? Where you've just gone to, you know, clear your head or whatever? Probably one of the kids. Um, we went through a bit of a tough period um, with her health and um, she's come out of that gangbusters and um, she, she, we'd look back at that period now and we'd laugh about it. But mm. um, we went through a real tough period and I just remember... Um, again, those three blokes that I mentioned before, you know, they, they were checking in with myself and Yvette during that. And that was a really tough period. And um, the, the running and the, those family connections and, you know, friend connections through the running club and through running helped us through that. But just generally in terms of the mental health, I think I, I say I'm a manager now at Centrelink and been a manager on and off probably for the last three or four years most of that period mental health is probably something we do talk about a lot more in the last probably mm. years because of COVID and that isolation and, and things and back at that period when we were having those difficulties with the health of one of our kids I think you know having that fit mind and body and but also the, the running in itself just those connections with the the social connection, the family connection, some of those people that reached out to us was, was really nice and really, really helped us throughout that period and were really supportive, um, which was fantastic. It was, it was muchly appreciated. Um, but going back to when I first did join the running club with those um, uh, narrowing disc space issues that I had back in the early 2000s, late 90s, that was actually really scary for me at the time. I didn't actually know what that was um and um and the chiropractor said to me at the time said oh no don't panic it's just you know your discs are narrowing and it's it was basically because I was overworking I was working eight hours a day I was you know working you know being a young Turk you know working to um to use the term just you know, working to nine ten o'clock at nine because it was month end and plus I was trying to study after work as well and I wasn't really looking after my body um and so, um, you know, that, that keeping that running's helped. Um, but in the later years, through those ups and downs when you've got kids and various um, 
um, difficulties there. Um, youngest child has got type one di- diabetes, and that was re- that was a real big challenge for us. And and God love him. And um, but it's um, and we again we're just trying to role model the behaviours for him that you've got a challenging life. Um, God, I'm gonna cry. Um, setting up some. Um, just just um, educating him on, yeah, you've got a massive life challenge, but, you know, we can share some of those lessons we've had and with his health, um, you know, and he, and he loves his soccer, so he's learning how to manage his diabetes, play soccer. Because um, I know you've done, you may have done a podcast in the past with someone at the running club that might have had type 1 diabetes. So it's that sort of challenge that, you know, people have around that. Um yeah. That that's that's and just that in itself, how that's affected Yvette and I in those early years, um, when he was diagnosed with type one diabetes, we basically weren't getting much sleep, but more so not thinking about my health, but more my mental health yeah. going for those runs and encouraging Yvette to go for those walks slash runs, um, has been fantastic. Um and I'll mention one other thing too, jokingly. We've got these two Labradoodles the last couple of years and I'm, I wasn't really a dog person, but I'll admit I probably love the dogs more than the kids. So I don't know if I'm really <laughs> in my age, but um, they've really helped um, with the mental health coming home to them. And, you know, it, it's another two kids you've got to look after, but it really does. They do repay you and their, yeah. their love. They do give back to you. So really learning to be a dog person and, um, that's really been a nice part of our life as you know you think with five kids we wouldn't want that busy stuff back but you, know, you do miss that that family stuff with you yeah. know two of the girls effectively being close to 100 percent moved out yeah. um so um yeah yeah moving into that sort of period where we're we're, we're dog people now got a couple of labradoodles slowly <laughs> can't take them out for a job for jogs with us if they don't trip us up but um I yeah that. i think um now, going back to your question, I think it's, you know, it's really helped with the, the mental health for me personally. I think that's yeah. probably been the biggest benefit, just the mental health, just resetting. Being a manager as well, you do, um, just through my work, you do, um, you are supporting staff that are going through difficult times themselves. So you, sometimes you, you take on board, you, 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 to be human, you take on board some of that yourself. So mm. um, you need that. For me personally, I think the running just helps me mentally just reset. Like a good um, yeah, it's a good outlet and just mm. freshes myself up. Mm. Um, with that as well, I do love my music probably more than any other runner I do know. Um, I do slip the headphones in and I do, Yvette and I do talk to each other about our playlists and things like that. And um, we do love our music. And I think music and the running is a great connection and again the mental health just thinking about the tunes while you're running I think that's a great reset for me as well mm. I don't always listen to it on my very long runs but sometimes I'll have it in my pocket and then in the back half of the long run I'll just put the headphones on just to finish off the run and it, it's a it's a great resource as well just to connecting with the running puts you in a different space doesn't it yeah absolutely mm. absolutely oh I love that um, there's another connection there. Like, you know, I have five children as well. We only have two kids at home now, but we just got a puppy. <laughs> so it's been like, we already had a, a dog, but I feel, um, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. That kind of connecting to the puppy and, and it would be like, uh, why did we get a puppy after we've, you know, suddenly, you know, not suddenly, but 
things are slowing down at home, not having five children at home now. It's um, and and then we put a puppy in there because obviously we wanted to make it busy again. It's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why we do that, but I love it uh, all the same. So I totally understand where you're coming from there. Um, have you had any apart from um, obviously the back thing, which wasn't a running injury per se? Um, have you had any running injuries? Yeah, I was thinking about that before the podcast. I was thinking, um, thought you might ask me that. Probably mm -hmm. the only thing I've had, luckily, is really just the old office ITB hip flexor tightness. Mm -hmm. So um, I did go through a period, it was unplanned, but the kids were doing Taekwondo here in Perth with one of the local legends here, Roger, mm -hmm. um, that we met through Little Athletics. And um, when the kids were young, they were doing Taekwondo. And actually, Job, I think, and some of Joe's kids did. And Justin, actually, yeah, he did Taekwondo as well. But I actually found just stretching and gymming and doing that that one or two or three years Taekwondo, mm -hmm. just kicking, even though I was obviously not as loose as the kids, j just that stuff really loosened up the ITB okay. injury and the hip flexor tightness. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally, I've had no real... Um, health concerns. I've been really good touch wood. I've had no mm. knee issues. Funnily, I should say this, um, the, trust it to be a non-running injury. Um, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't because I drank too much wine. We are uh -huh. walking at a winery, a vet and I, getting into a friend's new car, yeah. his board ranger, and the wind was coming strongly across the car. And I was putting one leg into the car, about to put the left leg in, and the door, the oh. heavy, swung against my knee. Ouch. And still less than a year later, that's the only injury I've got. I'm still running long Ks and that. It's not a problem. But I, I can still feel it now just in the core and the bone. Just And mm. Yvette being a nurse, she said, oh, you, you've got a bit of bursitis. I had a bit of bursitis for two or three months between roughly, I think, I think October and Christmas last year and it really actually scared me i thought geez is this going to be the end of the running because i've had a couple of wines and slammed a car door against my leg um, um and that would do more to my mental health than anything else um but um but um slowly over time um and again another story you know how i can waffle <laughs> I, no, no. I like get back into running too quickly i actually discovered swift and stationary bike riding so as I you know, talked to Justin because he knew about it and I Googled it and, you know, bare bones budget set up, you know, paid for the Swift and I'm I'm probably going to start using it again soon. Um, and I have been using it every now and then. It was just – but I, at, at that time when I wasn't running, uh, Michelle, I was actually on the Swift bike, you know, three or four times a week. Wow. Uh, and that actually led to um, – me lobbing my wife for me to get a semi good um road bike which um as you know it's always a hard comp compromise so as simon had know it's about getting something she wants and me getting what i want yep. but, uh, the road bike but um but now it's sort of more i'm running more than cycling again um but um thank god it's got back to almost 100 percent. so it was really scary at that time mm. Um, but pretty much really the only running injury apart from that has been just that ITB stuff. Um, at Ross Marathon last September, last year, um, 
I, I hadn't trained as much as what I'm training now. And actually that ITB um, down one of my legs, I literally could not run and I couldn't even finish the marathon. And I really, my pace dropped up really badly. And that's an example how sometimes for me, because I'm working in the office and not looking after my hip flexors sometimes and being a bit inflexible and stiff. That's where it can, that's probably the biggest impact on my running, mm. my health, but no real general health concerns. Um, apart from probably drinking a bit too much in my lady, but I haven't put to put on too much weight. Um, <laughs> my 16 year old boy wants to be Arnold Schwarzenegger at the moment. He's going through a gym period. So oh, wow. after this year's marathon, I'll probably, keep running like I normally do because I can't stop fully, but I'll try and help him with his gym stuff because a few years ago when I did take a year off the running club, I did go through a gym period myself, learnt a lot through that and how to keep strong and healthy, still run a bit, but keep, focus more on the strength because he wants, he played footy for the first time this winter and mm -hmm. done a great job. Yeah. Um, and um, he just wants to, he's like me at that age before I joined the Navy, I was talking to you about before I was so skinny. He's, yeah about his physique and everything i said no just trust me man if you just you eat more you'll put on weight more and just over time you'll um but i just educating him on the right food to eat because yeah. you know, now compared to five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years old 15 years ago junk food is a lot cheaper than what it is mm. compared to those time like mm -hmm. you know after a run nowadays i'll still try and keep it reasonably healthy but have a treat but these days with the kids they're just so accessible with the junk food and again that's a bit of bit of a health topic that we try and yeah you can have your treats and things but you know try and help them out with that stuff as well make yeah, sure they're making the choices yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah making it more as a treat rather than an, an every after every kind of run or whatever you've done uh, if you always have a treat then it's not necessarily a treat <laughs> depending on on how you look at it i suppose um when do you think you first called yourself a runner um probably not until i joined the running club and i did my first marathon i think okay i actually did one marathon before i joined the running club in oh. hobart i didn't finish i didn't know how to train for a marathon and I didn't really train for it. I went hell for leather for about 30 Ks. And then I sat on the curb next to the ambulance and had to ring a vet and the, and the ambulance guy. Um, um, I can't remember how I got back to the start, but, um, but anyway, that didn't end very well, but, um, um, but pretty much, yeah, I think, um, yeah, probably when I joined the running club and started talking to those experienced guys and I struggled, struggled, the early one or two years at the running club where anything over probably 10 Ks, I really struggled. Okay. And it was only talking to the experienced guys where I learned, okay, you need to up your weekly kilometres. And then mm. we did masters for a short period of it. And I just have a bit of fun. And then yeah. um, I met, as you, you know, Gary, but I met mm -hmm. Gary through local Perth, his Perth connections as well as through his family, mm -hmm. through little athletics as well. And I basically got, pulled him aside one day and just said, look, look, mate, I'm sick of stuffing up in these marathons. Can you give me a program where I don't have to think? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do whatever you tell me. And um, and then it was just, yeah, just just tapping his knowledge. I actually probably, he was probably the one that probably mentored me a lot with my running. Yeah. Um, and he actually helped train 
Isabella when she was really good with her race walking in her younger years uh, through little athletics when she was getting in state teams. And Harry when he was 12, 13, 14, when he was become an amazing 800-metre runner, he was – we were leaning on Gary a little bit and just asking him what he should be doing and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I haven't really talked to him for a long time actually, but I would like to go back to Masters as I'm getting a bit older. Um, not because I'm – a good runner or anything like that. But I think, again, it's just that connecting with other runners that are doing masters, mm. you know, just leaning on the knowledge of some of those really yeah. experienced guys. Cause I always think every winter at the running club, I always try to think to do something new or learn something new to bring in. And, you know, I've brought in a lot of things over the years, whether it's cross training, um, I used to do stairs in my lunchtime runs back in the ATA days. That was mm -hmm. something me and the other guy we came up with that was something we came off on our own back and stuck the gorge runs in themselves you know running slow to run fast that was mm -hmm. didn't really know what that meant but now as i'm getting older um in the last probably five years learning about the low, low heart rate training you know all that all that stuff that we weren't really doing i wasn't doing you know 15 20 years ago that's um, um but i probably called myself a runner probably from yeah probably yeah about a year into that LICP where I started okay. to do that marathons after training for those. And how long do you think you'll run for in your life? As long as I can keep running, I think. I think as long as I can physically do it. Um, I do see those guys on Instagram that come up on my feed and they're shuffling along in their 90s. I hope to be one of those guys just to – Cliff Young. Um, and I think, the re yeah, I think the reason I can do it is because it's not – I'm not running for an event or anything like that. It's more just that lifestyle thing to keep healthy yeah. and still enjoy it. Um, sometimes when I don't want to walk out the door, I just or turn the knob. I just think, um, you know, I do. I you have to you have to love it and enjoy it to be able to keep up the you know the four or five runs a week. Mm -hmm. um, I do love my music, so I think the music keeps me in the game as well, just as a bit of a mental health thing while I'm running. Um, and uh, I know guys my age, a lot of them go fishing and play golf and do the other things. That That's not for me. I'm not ready for golf yet until I retire. But yeah. uh, And I have played 10-pin bowls and, uh, sorry, lawn bowls before, and I did like that. So I could see myself doing those things. But I think running while, while my legs, there's no injuries, I think that'll be the thing for me to do. I'll just keep doing that for, for many years to come. Do you mostly run by yourself? I know that you do run by yourself because I've seen you on the side of the highway plenty of times. And obviously we've talked about um, the Perth crew and how you've done, you know, we're, for a while there was uh, lots of running with them. But my understanding is you mostly do your training by yourself these days. Yeah, mostly, that, would that be right? Yeah, that's mostly because um, a lot of the running guys never really lived out at Perth. And mm. when the kids were young, when I was at the running club, I couldn't really justify driving into town and then mm -hmm. running. Although when I was running with Jove and Joe and Justin, we were meeting people in town, I was doing that at that time. Yeah. Um, but I know there have been those social sort of running groups that do meet in town. I just can't do that because mm -hmm. the kids were younger. And um, But I'll be honest, I, I am mostly pretty shy, um, unless you get talking on one of these things. But... Um, <laughs> uh, but um, I do live inside my head a lot, so I do okay. sort out the world's problems in my heads as I'm running and listening to my music. And I, 
I don't actually think about my running most of the time when I'm going on those long runs. I really do think about, okay, you know, what's going on with kid number two, you know, that issue he's got, you know, how can we sort that out? Or, you know, one of my team members at work, you know, having trouble with this, how can we help this? Or or I'm thinking about something else, um, you know, you know, the West Coast Eagles lost by a point last night or something silly like that. So I will often, I will go off into the nether nethers in my own mind. So yeah. that's probably an attribute of my personality. I know other people don't do that, but it's just yeah. because to give you an example, back in those ATO days where I talked about um, Rod, where I used to run with him, he was very outgoing. Mm-hmm. So he would, He's a, he was the complete opposite to me. So in that lunchtime run, he'd be running sub four-minute pace. He'd be talking through almost the whole run. He'd be <laughs> pumping me up. And I was literally puffing my guts out to try and actually respond to anything he was saying to me. So I'd actually, over time, I'd say to him, look, don't expect me to respond to anything. I apologise, mate. I am listening, but I'm just trying to keep up with you and all that. But um, but through the Yafflers, when we when Justin and Job and Joe, when they were running, um, we did talk a lot during that and that, and just we didn't really look at the watch. We didn't really look at our pace. It was more about that slow running to run fast and that's mm. where some of that, some of those um, benefits. And um, I've probably learned a lot about that over the years where, you know, five days a week, I used to smash my legs early days, mm. at the early years at the running clubs. I really did not have any easy days because I used to think because firstly, I didn't have much spare time with the five kids, so I couldn't justify going for an hour run for, you know, eight or nine Ks and real easy pace. I, if I did eight or nine Ks, I'd do that at four and a half minute pace or something, you know, really quick mm-hmm. so I could get back to the kids. So it was only now as the kids are moving out of home, I'll, and, it's, and it's unheard of for me, I'll go for a long run. I'll leave and stop off at a petrol station, buy a Powerade, walk for a bit, and I'll keep running. And I'll, in my 30s and 40s, that would be unheard of. I'd bat myself over the knuckles if I did something like that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, last time we were, we were in Hobart, Hobart, staying with one of the girl's um, boyfriend's parents, so the future future in-laws, um, I said to them, oh, look, I've always wanted to run along that Taruna Road back in, back through the back way through Hobart. I know it's a bit dangerous, but and they're saying, no, don't t- do it, Tony, you'll get hit by cars or whatever. <laughs> I'm an experienced runner. So I ran all through there um, and literally a vet, we miscommunicated. I said to her, I thought she was picking me up at the casino at 8.39. And, of course, she said, no, Tony, I was leaving Howden from 8.30, so I'm not going to get there. (laughs) So literally on that run, I took no drinks with me, but I stopped off. Because now I'm getting older, I'm just, I don't really care. I'm a lot more relaxed. So I'll just stop up and have a walk. I'll gander to people. I'll have a drink, stop up at a shop. And I've learned over recent years to just enjoy that a bit more and just cherish it because you never know, yeah. you know, around the corner, you don't know, you might slam another door on your leg or whatever it is and don't get injured and you can't run. So it sounds like a beautiful run. It's a lovely road, that one. I can, yeah. although it is, um, I guess if you do it at a time where there's not many cars on the road, <laughs> really good. Really good. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was on that day, I was opposite the casino and I said to her, oh, I'll meet you in town in five minutes. And she said, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be ready. So I ran through the middle of Hobart and I thought, God, where am I going to go now? I'm just going to have to keep running. 
So then I went through North Hobart and I texted her again and she said, oh, no, we're still not ready. George hasn't finished his breakfast yet. So I just kept, and in the end, I said, bloody hell, I might as well meet you at the deck. And so it was like this run that was only going to be 21, 21, 22 Ks. It ended up being something like 32, 34 Ks. Oh, wow. Really slow. It actually ended up being an unplanned, really good run. It really set myself a good base on the, some of my long runs. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was lucky it did. All right. So, Tony, tell me, if you if you hadn't, you know, got back into running, especially, um, you know, as an adult after Navy experience and stuff, what do you think your life would be missing if you hadn't, you know, adopted running as a lifestyle? Probably is a better way to put it. Um, I think I think it was, you know, through the little athletics years with the kids. That's probably the biggest thing. I think the kids talk to me even now about role modelling that those healthy habits. I think mm-hmm. life would be a lot different. I don't actually think the kids would be doing a little athletics if I hadn't have been a runner yeah. and coached them to do it. We didn't push them to do any of that. It was just really little athletics was really a, a thing about having fun, although mm-hmm. some of the people listening to this podcast might say, oh, I remember you, Tony. You used to yell from the, he- the hills at your kids. And I, I used to say, well, I'm not yelling at your kids. I'm yelling at my kid, okay? Like that. But um, so it was things like little athletics and, you know, We've met a lot of friends through Launceston Running Club. I mean, mm-hmm. when we first joined the running club, it was very quiet. No one really talked to us. And then over time, we slowly made connections to people and um, like yourself and others, um, the presidents and all that over time. And we mm-hmm. got more involved with it and volunteered with the marshalling. And so we wouldn't have made all those friends through the running club. Um, those people that I met through work that ran with me, mm-hmm. um, those strong connections. Um, I think I would have a lot more health issues if I wasn't running, especially yeah. working with because my job that I'm doing and have done for the last probably 20 years in the public service is very sedentary. If you don't, if, it's a very sedentary job. So you're basically sitting at your chair looking at a screen apart from your coffee breaks and things yeah. for like yeah. seven and a half hours a day. So if you're not doing that stuff outside of work, whether it's running or or something similar, then, yeah, you're going to be in strife as you get older. So I think that that's probably the biggest benefit. I think it's the health. Um, probably the biggest health thing is probably the mental health. I think for me it's, uh, it's really kept me sane over the years with, with the kids and just resetting. It's a cheap thing. The most expensive thing you, you need to invest in is a pair of running shoes, and apart from that, it really is a cheap cheap hobby that you know keeps your keeps your body and your and your mind healthy. Is there before we get to the um, beginner running tips? Is there anything that we haven't talked about in regards to running that you wanted to share? Um, probably um, watches and shoes. I'll probably yeah. say. Took me a long time to find the right sort of shoes to wear with running because early years I was buying shoes with arches in them and had sore feet. And then Daniel had come up to me and said, Why the hell are you wearing those ridiculously looking shoes, Tony? They're um, trail shoes or something silly like that, he'd say to me. So Mm -hmm. I think the shoes are important and just leaning on people that know a lot more about it than you. Like even now with that knee injury I had with the car door 
I'd forgotten about Brooks that I was wearing Brooks in my early years, my early marathons. I used to, cause they never used to wear out. And I found these GTS adrenaline Brooks adrenaline and I'd forgotten that they were like running on a pillow. And uh-huh. like I put those on at Rebel Sports and Hobart and I thought, I've forgotten how good these bloody shoes are. And then I put them <laughs> And honestly, Michelle, it was like I didn't have an injury. Like I was no. had probably 60, 70% recovered, but it actually those shoes literally got me back into running. And I've since stuck to the Brooks since That's then. Um, probably with the running watches, I think um, I had a very clunky Nike running watch, uh, my first running watch. And mm-hmm. then um, over time I graduated to a Garmin. I think just, just knowing, doing your research, Again, leaning on the running club guys, what they wear. Um, and they were all saying to me, look, our oh, Tony Garmin's are very reliable. They don't have all the bells and whistles. But um, I think the running watch and the running shoes, they're probably the two things. Mm. Probably before those two is probably the music for me. Number one, the music's probably helped me a lot. Putting the, putting the music on late in marathons where I've been hitting the wall. You know, putting a bit of Pearl Jam on or Van Halen or whatever it is, honestly, that has gotten me through. Rock you to the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's helped me finish off a lot of tough runs. So, um, yeah, I really love that. So, yeah. That's super cool. I love it. Um, all right. We have kept you a really long time and I have really enjoyed learning heaps more about you. It's really exciting. And you tell such great stories. Before we go, though, um, do you have some tips for beginner runners? So we've already heard, heard about shoes and, and watches. Is there anything, if somebody comes up to you, you've obviously been called a coach by the Perth crew. <laughs> what kind of um, tips would you give beginner runners to get them started? Um, when I met the Yafflers, like Justin, Joe and Joe, they when they asked me for a tip every now and then, um, like I had with the two two out of the five kids that were really good runners, it was about building up the base, that mm-hmm. stuff we all around, like which I learned from the elite mm-hmm. guys, which was mm-hmm. build your base first, build those foundations first, um, and then get faster later, basically. Mm-hmm. That was I some of that. Gary-isms and that as well. Yeah, Like he used to say to me, you're running too fast on your Sundays, Tony, just slow down do those long runs at conversational pace, you know, all that, all that gold that, you know, um, that's probably the number one tip just, and that actually really helped me with Harry on, and Isabella when they were 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds, I said to them, I just want you to go for a 15 minute run on a Sunday and I'll buy you an ice cream at the Perth shop at the end. How's that sound? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to run quick. I'll run alongside you. And they did that. And literally that was what, got them through, you know, school onto school teams. Wow. No speed work or anything. I did with Harry, we did get really, really serious and we did do hill repeats and intervals and tempo runs. And again, I didn't know any of that stuff. That was really from again leaning on those LRC runners about, you know, how do you, how do you get quicker? Um, oh Tony, do now try some four hundreds for your marathon. They're a good distance. So what do you mean? What what speed do you do that at? You know, you like doing yeah. your, you know, your 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 four your you just do it at your your sub five k PB pace, all that stuff, and have a you know have your rest in between and all that stuff. Um, 
And probably probably the second tip for beginner runners is um, your fueling. Your fueling mm-hmm. to do a marathon, you doesn't matter how much training you do and run slow to run fast stuff that I just mentioned then, it, your fueling is really important. So for me, that was a real challenge for me mm-hmm. because like um, some of my kids have inherited, um, which is the reason why I'm reasonably skinny, um, is that with sweeter stuff, that goes through me a bit. So okay. not going to not gonna tell any of those gory stories, but um, I've experimented <laughs> some of my early uh, marathons with gels and yeah. water and electrolytes. And I'm actually finding now as I'm getting older, those electrolytes – um and and gels um they make a massive difference to my performance now on a long run like if i'm practicing race pace um yeah it is quite noticeable so um yeah i i I suggest just you know hydration working out how many carbs you're going to have per hour how are you going to get those carbs so whether that's for me i had trouble with getting um, gels with my stomach and my bowels. So mm-hmm. I developed a thing where I found a gel that was not going to disagree with my stomach, which was the Endura ones, which was mm-hmm. the triathlon ones, I think, because they were more runnier. And I had barley sugars. I got it, just discovered okay. barley sugars by accident, just put heaps of barley sugars, and it basically replicated. And then plus I'd have electrolyte drinks um, with some water during the marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the third thing I probably developed out of all of that was training on water and don't train too much with your electrolytes, gels and barley sugars, mm-hmm. practice them, you know, your race day strategies, you know, once, twice, three times, but don't train with those things all the time. Yeah. So I just found over time on the actual day of the race, when you give yourself the gels, the barley sugars, and the electrolyte drinks every second drink station, you get more of a kick out of it. Okay, because your body's not sort of adjusted to it already. Yeah, yeah, you, you, and it, it was that mental kick out of it as well, just getting that sugar hit as well. Yeah. And um, someone told me that. I can't remember if that was Gary or, or someone else. And I'm actually teaching Harry with his footy and his running last few years, and he found that was a good tip as well, just to train on walk during the week. and. Yeah. Um, and I have talked to one of the girl's boyfriends who's a really good footballer. He said, yeah, he trains on water and rarely uses electrolyte drinks unless mm-hmm. he needs it. And I think, yeah, for me, that's that's something that's given me a bit of a, mm-hmm. a kick as well. It's kind of similar to I've I had a coach a couple of years ago who's a low-carb, like keto-type um, athlete, and the only time they have, like, a lot of carbs, they don't have carbs at all, they just have low carbs, but when they have a lot of carbs, it'll be in a run. And it's for that reason that their body gets more of a kick out of the carb. It becomes um, instant energy instead of Mm. doing other things when our bodies are more used to having a high level of carb, like all the time, which I thought was interesting. So sort of similar um, effect, you know, sort of tricking your body that way. Yeah. I found that that through a few marathons. And actually there was one um, sports drink I did find. It was by accident again. No one recommended it to me. I was just trialing it. Again, Endura, I found this Endura electrolyte drink that was not too sweet. Okay. So, again, finding that electrolyte drink mm. or carb um, drink that's not going to disagree with your stomach, it was mm. just not too sweet. And 
going back to the Bruni Island days when we did that as a family, that was a family affair that I haven't mentioned. I'd do the first half when the kids were young, the whole yeah. first half. I put the Endura drink and I'd have that at 8, 12, 16. And that sports drink would just give me so much kick because I'd never trained with it. I knew it wouldn't disagree with my stomach. Yeah. And then I had my music on and I was so pumped up because I really I knew the kids were waiting for me in a vet. And then Isabella would always be the first one, the oldest child that would tag you the first time. Yeah. And I've actually got a famous photo of her when the one of the first years she did it when she was at the peak of her powers when she was 13 or 14 and she was tagging me. I was pushing hard to tag her as quick as I, I could. And, um, and again, actually, with the Yafflers, with Joe, Job and Justin, um, uh, Job and Joe, sorry, we that was a tradition. Even Joe and Job had done that, um, Bernie Island more than I've done. That was oh, something that we did together. We went down there and camped, and that was, along with LRC, that was a, a great tradition to go down there as a family. Yeah. And that, again, that was a running family thing to do. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, we could just keep talking, but we can't. So. <laughs> Tony, thank you for sharing so much. I do appreciate it. We've got all your tips um, and there's lots of good stuff in there that people can learn, including, you know, going to um, get, if you don't know what to do, go and ask somebody who has already been there before you, basically, whether it's a running coach or someone else in the running community with some more experience than you have. And there's always people out there who have more experience than us. That's what I've found. Um, so go find them and, you know, get some good advice and, and test and measure. Um, like you said, I love it. Um, so, yeah, thank you for being on. I appreciate your time. Don't hop off. I'll say goodbye to you off the recording as well. But thank you. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've loved learning more about you and your journey. Thanks, Michelle. Really enjoyed it and um, happy to share the tips and tricks. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it for a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and i'll see you there plus i'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode and before you go I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.